Kim, so we're uh, together for uh, the next things. Alright, nice. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, but, uh, sat up and just didn't get good rest last night. Ah, uh, see, luckily I got a good amount of sleep last night, so that was good. That was, uh... So, yeah, so what happened? How was your day? Uh, got up, went to church... Don't really remember the sermon because I was having trouble staying awake. Ah, that sucks. Yeah, it was a good sermon, though. Okay. <laughs> good sermon you don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I just remember my impression of it. Okay, right on. Cool. And then, uh, stopped at Wendy's, got a couple cheeseburgers after. A large, a large chocolate frosty and a chicken sandwich. Right on. Cool. And went to the meeting and we talked about... I took notes. Like, I mean, I take notes of the sermon while I'm watching it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just write down, like, the verses he talks about. Later. Well, no, that's the best way to do it because then you can get the whole context of what's before the verse and what's after the verse. So you can read the whole like chapters and get it in context. I mean, that's really the best way to study it is just to read all the chapters and get it in context. Yeah, and then uh, for the meeting topic, uh, it was undisciplined entitlement and acceptance okay what the hell does that mean uh what does what mean any of that like I really don't understand like what the hell are they talking about oh wait no those are just different topics in each one okay well I mean I don't understand what any of these topics are about so uh, how, you know, alcoholics and addicts are undisciplined people. Okay, well, right on. I mean, I, I don't know. I think in a way it's good to not have a lot of the lame discipline. So, I don't know. I think that's a good thing. I think you have a lot of discipline since, you know, you sit up and keep going doggedly after your comp well your goals yeah I guess you're right I have it with that so yeah I guess I, I guess I've learned I guess I've gotten some discipline in my life so I don't know and then entitlement how you know like uh, the one chick was talking about how she feels better than and she deserves shit she needs to work on that. Okay, like, what does she think she deserves? And maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. I don't know. You know, maybe she does deserve what she thinks she deserves. I don't know her that well, so I don't really get what she's talking about. Okay, so it's like just whatever this weird chick's trip is, which we don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, people who are addicts, like, you know, especially early in recovery... You know, we do feel entitled to be in the sober living and to get treated, 
you know, all our whims treated and shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Have well, people you know, I mean, do shit should, for should push for everybody should push for uh how to explain it, uh everybody should push for their will as an individual over the rest of the, over the will of the rest of the community <laughs> and then acceptance okay I don't know I don't think we should ever accept our bad circumstances <laughs> And then that was pretty much my dad <coughs> posted a new beat. Right on. And, uh, you know, worked on another one that I haven't put up yet, but it's pretty much done. Right on. I used all the acoustic shit besides, like, the hook I use in 808, but the rest of the beat is, uh, you know, like, it's like 808 drums, 808 uh, bass, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is acoustic. Okay. Cool. Yeah, well, well, you can check it out after you, you know, say how your day was. Okay. Well, my day uh, just started... Uh... Let's see, I went and, uh, let's see, uh, and I woke up, uh, took a piss, and then somebody wanted me to get them a pair of one of my socks, and I'm like, at first I'm thinking, no, I can't do it, because I thought I had a bunch of other stuff on top of the socks, but then I found out I didn't, but by the time I found the socks the dude left but he was all pissed off like how much hate you have to not give me a pair of socks and shit like I'm not doing it because I hate you I'm just doing it because it's like you're like you're telling me this at five in the morning I gotta take a piss and it's like I'm not ready to just like get ready to start doing shit at five in the morning when I'm just like thinking of how am I gonna take a piss (laughs) Mm -hmm. but okay you know it's probably not justified that I didn't help him or whatever but I don't know I guess it doesn't matter. I don't know. I'm a fucking asshole. I don't know. Yeah. But I finally found what he wanted. And then I found a, 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 that, that vape, uh, that herb vape that I had found and was able to get stoned a little bit today. But uh, I think it's out of juice now or, or whatever. Maybe the battery's not working or something. It's not working because it's not doing anything now like it was earlier this morning. Uh, How'd you find an herb vape? What do you say? How'd you find an herb vape? Uh, so when I let, I put away in the motel, but I forgot where I put it. Like when I was leaving the motel. Mm. So that was cool that somebody gave me. And uh, uh, this uh, woman gave me, but uh, anyway, then I. Uh, uh, then I uh, went and what did I what did I munch on? I, I munched on uh, oh went to went and munched on a tuna sandwich from donut shop, and then uh, got a uh, 
large Coke to drink, and I drink some coffee, ate a, a ham, egg, and or sausage, egg, and cheese, one of those like burritos, or not burritos, one of those uh, bagels, and uh, went uh, went to the Starbucks to charge my phone and got uh, got uh, a that same uh, uh, chocolate cream uh, uh, or the chocolate cream uh, uh, cold brew thing that tastes really good and uh, then somebody gave me a couple people gave me sandwiches like breakfast sandwiches that was cool them, which mean, means I like pretty much ate enough for the whole day, like in one, the morning and the afternoon, so I don't really need to eat anything now. Uh, but, uh, and then this dude gave me like a, I'm really stoked because this dude gave me like a hundred buck uh, gifts it's a card for the Starbucks. So it means I can uh, get coffee for a long time and, and I'll get whatever for friends or whatever for a long time and shit. I don't know. So that's going to be cool. And uh, went in, went on the bus to my old neighborhood, and and fucked uh, uh, with one of the religious people that's doing a a Christian sermon in Spanish, <laughs> having fun fucking with them till the bus got there, and uh, then uh, went. Uh, back here and just chilled out and uh, see how things go uh, tonight. I don't know. We'll see what goes on. Mm-hmm. Saturday. Yeah, see if I survive way. another. See if I survive another night or not. You know, shit. Uh, you probably will. I hope so. I mean, just too much weird shit but it's all weird I don't know it's all madness <laughs> yeah I probably will yeah the madness that is your life say again I said the madness that is your life oh yeah madness that is life itself under the current fucked up circumstances that uh, the people in power made for us Ready for the beat? Okay, I'll, I'll hear your beat. Yeah, be warned, this one's mellow. Okay, so I'll probably get bored. <laughs> it's not gonna stop. It's not gonna. Uh, it's not gonna stop the musical lull we're in. We're in the middle of right now. <laughs>
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, right in, right in. Cool. Okay, I don't know. Typical Stony kind of, uh, you know, the kind of rap beat they do most of the time. You know, wait, can, I, can you hold for a minute? Yeah. Okay, that's a minute. for the acoustic. Okay, let's hear the acoustic. on a steel acoustic. Damn, if that's low pitch, I wonder what the high pitch sounds like. Really fucking high and annoying. Okay. And it's just to see, because usually steel guitars are, are more, usually done with more high pitch stuff and, and uh, thing with it is you can really do some good shit with it when you bend the strings and shit. Yeah, there ain't much bend on these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, well, because it's synthesizer. They don't have much bend on a lot of synthesizers, except for when they make them, like, the way the Middle Eastern people do synthesizers, they can do those quarter tones, so they got a lot of bend on their synthesizer shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get or at least with the old synthesizers, you could get a lot of bend with them. With some of them. At least the, the kind from the 80s you could get some bend from. Yeah. So that's a trick. All right, uh, it's time to go to NPR. Yeah, we're starting with NPR today? Wow, right on. Yeah, we did Google yesterday. Okay, right on, right on. Oh shit, it's a Sunday though, so they might probably won't have that many good articles. <laughs> probably a lot of human interest stories today. BBC. 
because it's Sunday night, they might have some better articles, but usually uh, Sundays they have too many human interest stories, but let's let's hope they, because it's Sunday night, that they put some better articles on there. Usually Sunday night's better than Sunday morning on these things. Yeah, monkey pox explained. Yeah, I don't buy that. If it's from NPR, it's going to be propaganda, so I'm, I'm not buying it. So let's go to the next argument. Uh, Bob Raffleson, director of Five Easy Pieces, has died. Okay. I don't think I ever saw that movie, so I don't know much about him. I wouldn't know what to say about him or the movie or any of that. Me either. Okay. And then Jonas Van Gigard wins the men's tour de France. Okay. And then 17 died after a boat likely carrying Haitian migrants capsized in the Bahamas. places to live in the world so like if anybody needs to live to have a better standard of living it's people that come from haiti and it sucks that these people tried to get a better uh, standard of living and wound up dying trying to that that really sucks uh what's in the next article the fed's mission improbable beating inflation without causing a recession yeah, that could that could be uh, undoable. I mean, in order to, to stop the inflation, there might still you might not be able to stop a recession from happening. So yeah, uh, I'd say let's go into this one. It's a four minute lesson. Okay, yeah, let's let's listen to this. Inflation, as we know, is sky high. The Federal Reserve hopes to bring it back down to earth by raising interest rates. But there's a possible downside. Here's how economist Austin Goolsby put it on this program last week. You know, we've had 13 or 14 recessions since World War II, and more than two-thirds of those recessions were caused by the Fed raising the interest rate faster than the economy can handle. So what are the chances that the Fed can curb inflation without crashing the U.S. economy? We're going to talk through that now with NPR chief economics correspondent, Scott Horsley. Hi, Scott. Great to be with you, Aisha. So we keep hearing about how the Fed wants to engineer a soft landing. What does that mean? 
it means slowing down the economy so we don't have these runaway price hikes, but doing so in a controlled way so you don't stall the economy and end up in a recession. Ideally, as the Fed raises interest rates, spending will gradually slow down, supply gets to catch up with demand, inflation cools off, but you need a careful hand on the throttle so you don't wind up in a crash. What is the central bank's track record when it comes to being able to pull this off? Uh, in the last five decades, there's really only been one perfectly soft landing. That was in the mid-1990s. Alan Blinder, who was vice chair of the Fed at the time, has made a study of this. He says there are actually a half dozen other times uh, since 1965 when the Fed managed to pull off what he calls a soft-ish landing. That is, they raise rates with little or no decline in the GDP and only a modest increase in unemployment. The moral of the story to me was softish landings are not as rare as was thought. In fact, since the mid-60s, Blinder says the Fed's managed to achieve a soft-ish landing a little over half the time. So what happened those other times when they didn't manage to do the soft-ish landing? Yeah, sometimes they weren't even trying. You know, in the late 1970s, for example, inflation had been way too high for way too long. Then Fed Chairman Paul Volcker basically slammed the brakes on the economy, triggered a deep recession. Uh, it worked in the sense that it did bring inflation under control, but at a very steep cost. Unemployment soared above 10%. Uh, Blinder says there were two other recessions that uh, followed a period of interest rate hikes that weren't really caused by the Fed's moves. Most recently, for example, in 2020, we had a deep recession, but it wasn't the Fed's fault. It was caused by the pandemic. So Blinder says to avoid that takes both skill at the Fed and some good luck. So how is the Fed's luck so far? Like, are they having some headwinds or some tailwinds? Some of both, actually. There are definitely challenges that are making the Fed's job harder, uh, including ongoing pandemic lockdowns in China, lingering supply disruptions, of course, the war in Ukraine, which has sharply driven up the price of energy and food. On the plus side, though, the central bank does have a couple things going for it. Uh, even though inflation is very high right now, it hasn't been high for all that long. So it's not baked into people's expectations the way it was back in the 1970s. That helps. Also, we are approaching this landing with a really strong labor market. So even if the landing is bumpier than we'd like, it's unlikely we'll see anything like the double-digit unemployment that people suffered through in the early 1980s. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said last month, if unemployment were to tick up by, say, half a percentage point as the price of getting inflation under control, he would consider that a successful outcome. And Blinder agrees with a caveat. To the people that lose their jobs, this is not soft at all. The Fed is expected to boost interest rates again later this week. So put your seat back and trade table up and buckle in. That's NPR Chief Economics Correspondent Scott Horsley. Scott, thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, is that it? Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. They're, they're making it sound like uh, it could be done so that uh, it won't be as bad as it was in the early 80s. Uh, gotta know. I hope they're right. Uh, the one thing I'd want to say is I wouldn't freak out so much if the GDP slows down or the, the growth, whatever the, the – if the economy – slows down but doesn't shrink as long as the economy doesn't shrink we're still doing okay like this idea that the economy always has to be growing all the time i don't think that's real 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, I don't know shit about the fucking, uh, you know, economy, really, so I can't comment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that, that much. You know, really, to really understand it again, we'd have to hear two different type of economic or economists with uh, different theories on, uh, you know, say, like, one economist that's more with the Republicans and another economist that's more uh, with the the uh, socialists and compare their response to things and, and try to figure out, like, which one is probably telling the truth, which could take a long time, because in order to understand this, it, t- it takes, like, a lot of going down uh, rabbit holes to understand it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, should we uh, get to the next article? I guess let's get to the next article. President Biden's COVID symptoms are improving, his doctor says. Okay, so damn it, I guess he's still going to live, unfortunately, but okay. (laughs) Rooting for the president to die. Bold move. Well, I'm always, I'm always hoping for that. Like for, for you know, pretty much every president we've had, I've like wished they were dead. You know, like as far as uh, in my lifetime. So it's, it's like I'm always like somewhat hoping for that. I think, I think the only time I wasn't really full on hoping for that was when Obama was president, just because so many people were were. Like, every racist was out to fuck with him because he was the first black president. The Pope arrives in Canada as indigenous groups seek a full apology. Okay. Wow. Okay, I wonder what they're... Okay, so let's, let's go into this. What, what are they mad at that the Pope said about uh, the Native Americans in Canada? No, they're talking about those kids that died in the schools. Yeah, so that was the indigenous kids in Canada. No, no, that shit's ancient news. Like, them seeking an apology from the current pope is kind of blasé. Okay, well, I'm trying to figure out, like, why was the current, why was the pope back then saying that it was okay to beat the crap out of Native American kids in, in, uh, in, uh, uh, Canada. Pope Francis began a historic visit to Canada on Sunday to apologize to indigenous peoples for abuses by missionaries at residential schools. A key step in the Catholic Church's efforts to reconcile with Native communities and help them heal from generations of trauma. Okay. Uh, what else in the article? Francis kissed the hand of a residential school survivor as he was greeted at the Edmonton, Alberta airport by indigenous representatives. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Mary Simon and Inuk, who is Canada's first Indigenous Governor General. Okay. 
that kind of sounds like a cheesy media uh, uh, photo opportunity to me so far, but okay. And that's what I was thinking was going to happen. Yeah, no, that's what, what usually happens when they do this kind of shit. The gesture set the tone of what Francis has said is a penitential pilgrimage to atone for the role the Catholic missionaries in the forced assimilation of generations of native children. A visit that has stirred mixed emotions across Canada as survivors and their families cope with the trauma of their losses and received a long-sought papal apology. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, you know, it still does need to happen, but you know they're using it as a, as a photo opportunity, so okay. And so, I don't know, and then, and then you look at the current Canadian government is, is trying to make everybody, I mean, in a smaller way, not in as bad of a way, of course, so it's, it's not, not comparable. But uh, the Canadian government is trying to uh, make everybody in a smaller way uh, assimilate to uh, the current government, so <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of weird. Okay. This dude said that, but okay. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, what, 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 uh, what the Catholic Church did to the Native Americans in Canada was really fucked up in, in a heavy way. Anyway, right, so. Right, go to the next one. Yeah, let's go to the next one. As January 6th panel pauses, the U.S. faces a fourth fall of Trump with a fifth in view. Uh-oh. I think my... Okay, so can I call you right back? Yeah. Okay, just a minute.
Yo, yo. Hey, we'll see if this sounds better if we have, uh, hopefully we don't have any problems. Not sure why this dude's tripping something, but... And too much drugs can do that to a person. Could be. I'm not sure if that's why he's doing it or if it has something to do with the weird shit, uh, with weird shit. Yeah. I'm not sure he's someone's trying to fuck with me, so I don't know. But okay, let's go to the next article. As January 6th panel pauses, the U.S. faces a fourth fall of Trump with a fifth in view. Okay, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, I think he's only had one fall, and that's when he lost the election. So, what other fall could there be at this point? I mean, depending, maybe there could be, so we'll see. I don't know if it's, it all depends on what happens at the end of this and what happens, like, if there's any kind of sentencing or or anything uh, with this... uh, with this uh, investigation. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, what's in this, uh, what's in the article? Uh, Cheney, the vice chair of the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol, made a great deal of news in the panel's public hearing Thursday night, not least by revealing the hearings would resume after the August recess. See you all in September, the Wyoming Republican said. Okay. It's just we're gonna feed you more horse shit. Let's get ready. Well, it sounds like it might be. I'm, I'm still trying to see what they're talking about. Truth is, even if the committee had wrapped this week, the former president would still be looming over the fall landscape like a rising harvest moon. Okay, I still don't know how huge of a fall it's going to be. The House Committee has had much to do with that, serving up the cream of its evidence in eight hearings that might have been episodes in a streaming TV series. Yeah, they were so exciting. Mm-hmm. The season ender Thursday night was a three-hour special and arguably its most dramatic to date. Mixing live testimony and riveting videotape, the panel took us back to the 187 minutes of January 6, 2021, when Trump, then still president, refused to do anything to halt the invasion. It was an invasion. Okay. 
Spooky. Even the pro as the protesters became rioters, breaching the closed capital and shouting, Hang Mike Pence. And even as Pence's Secret Service detail feared for their lives, Trump sat in a dining room off the Oval Office. He watched the mayhem while phoning senators he thought might still help him overturn the results of the election he had lost. Okay. We also saw the president struggling to tape a video the next day complaining, I don't want to say the election's over. Okay. Um, what else in the article? But even without the legal drama, there are other way reasons Trump will be as prevalent as pumpkins this fall. In fact, thousands of reasons. Trump himself will not be on the ballot, but uh, but all 435 seats in the House and 35 seats in the Senate will be. Okay, but I don't know if that's I don't know if this is going to hurt him or not. So who knows? I mean, I kind of think it's not going to hurt him as much as we're as worried as the uh, Democrats are. Yeah, I think the Democrats have boundless optimism at this point. Anyway, uh, I don't know. It, it, it still all depends on how big of a fall this is going to be, and I really don't know how big of a fall this is going to be or if it's going to even be that big of a fall, depending on what happens after this is over or, or whatever. So, uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, what else in the article? Yeah, I was just looking at rings while you were talking. Jesus Christ, they got a lot of Satanist rings. Oh, right on. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, hey, I'd probably relate to it if I could afford that shit, but I, I can't, so. Yeah, they're only like eight ninety nine and shit like that. Yeah, but would I really pay that much for a goddamn ring to? No, a ring. Like a ring you wear on your finger. What is it? A ring you wear on your finger. Oh, okay, the ring, yeah. Okay, okay. Right on. I don't know. It's a trip. And I don't wear too much jewelry, so I don't know. 
I used to wear jewelry, but not anymore. Well, like, I'm trying to get back into it. Okay, anyway, uh, is there anything more to this article? Uh, there will also be scores of statewide offices and thousands of state legislative seats to be determined around the country. Trump has been active in the primaries in dozens of states. Yeah. Endorsing some Republicans and not others, hailing some as heroes and ripping others as rhinos. That's what I mean. As as, uh, as, uh, polarized as the country is, I don't think this is going to have that much of a determining factor on what happens. Me either. Uh, with with his signature high volume profile, Trump will largely define the autumn ambience. Trump and Trumpism will connect all these separate contests. Yeah, probably. Such as they have in the last three election cycles, and okay. as they could do again in twenty twenty four. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's still like when it comes down to it, especially if he decides to run again, then it's like after he already lost one election, do they really want to try to take a chance at having him lose another election? I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but the Republicans might do it anyway just as uh, because they really want Biden to be president. Because the corporations really want Biden to be president, so I don't know. So I don't know. We'll see. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, anything can happen. We learned that before. So <laughs> who knows? Anyway, uh, what else in the article? Uh, that would be the fifth federal cycle in a row that to be certifiably Trumpified. Mm. Okay, we'll see what goes on. I don't know. So I, I don't think I don't think it'll affect whatever happens to Trump. I don't think it'll affect what happens in the vote that much at all because just the country's so polarized. Anyway, what else in the article? Uh, 
Earlier this week, the Attorney General referred to a legal legal memo associated with his predecessor, William Barr, regarding the political sensitivities of investigating candidates at certain times. But, But later in the week, Garland made a clear statement that no one is above the law. Okay. Either way, yeah, either way, Trump's real or potential criminal exposure is not the focus of GOP strategists would prefer for the 2022 midterms, which by all that's normal should be about the, the current president. That would be President Joe Biden, currently suffering from a case of COVID. I don't know if this would really affect that, because so far it's really all been about the current president. This election. Like what everybody's talking about. How so? Because that's all everybody's talking about is how bad inflation is and... uh, how bad the economy is and and like that's pretty much all everybody's talking how high the gas prices are that's like pretty much all i'm hearing everybody talk about i don't hear many people talk about these hearings that much Anyway, what else is in the article? Uh, current, uh, it's a long-standing presumption that midterm elections are referenda on the president and the party holding the White House. Uh-huh. That is partly because the out party has less to defend and everything to attack. But there have been exceptions. Okay. Right now, Trump is threatening to change the subject from Biden's travails to his own grievances about 2020. Yeah, but I don't think... I don't think people are really going to buy that that much. I mean, that's like... Trump always like wants to think that his shit's so important, and I don't think... Most people in the country are going to buy that whatever shit, you know, like whatever happened when he lost the election is that important. I mean, it's just like him going, the whole world should just revolve on what happened to me. And it, and it probably doesn't. So it's like, okay. Like how you've been bitching about the same shit for, you know, like since like the past two years and it hasn't changed anything you still lost the election how can you keep bitching about the same thing and think that you're going to get the whole conversation in the country to talk about how you uh you know all the shit you've been bitching about for the past two years that's not what the rest of the country is talking about it's only what you're talking about Mm-hmm. anyway what else in the article Uh, by one accounting, more than 120 Republicans who have actively promoted Trump's fictions 
about the 2020 election have already won their primaries for offices that would give them a say in conducting the elections in the 2024, well, in 2024 and thereafter. Okay. Um, maybe, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I still don't think that, I still don't think that if, if Trump runs again, like, two years from now, that, and, and the same thing happens, that, all these that the majority of people are going to go oh yeah he really won the election i mean i don't think anybody's going to believe that <laughs> well one third of the country yeah. believes that okay but that's what i mean it's like probably like the tiniest part of the country is the only part of the country that really believes that shit huh cuz it's it's you know there's two thirds of the country that don't believe it yeah. But still, that's a big chunk, man. Okay, what were you just saying? I said that's still a big chunk. Yeah, but it's not like the biggest chunk. Like, in an election, what matters is what the biggest chunk of the population believes. And still, the biggest chunk of the population still believes that Trump lost the 2020 elections. <laughs> There goes another shade in this ring. Ready to go to the next article? Okay, yeah, let's go to the next article. Losing a parent can derail teens' lives. A high school grief club aims to help. Okay, that sounds like human interest stories, so let's go to the next article. You can find the tech behind Webb Telescope down here on Earth. Mm, sounds like another human interest story. So go to the next article, or where's your head at? Yeah. Okay, let's go to the next article. God, they have a lot of bad ones. Uh, 
Well, it's Sunday. Sunday and NPR. Usually Sunday and NPR is a lot of human interest stories. So what's the next one? I'll just go through the list. Okay. Fast-moving wildfire near Yosemite spreads uncontained. Okay, now that's pretty important. That's, uh, how much damage has there been? 22 square miles. Oh, shit, that's, that's a heavy damn fire. Yeah, that's going to be freaky. I bet uh, people in, uh, especially near, uh, Fresno and the part of uh, the part of California that's uh, closer to the other side near where where San Francisco and, and uh, uh, what's that other that other I don't know the, the other part that's kind of semi central California uh, or maybe more like San Francisco Modesto I bet like those people are having to worry about. Uh, and a little bit of Fresno is having to worry about rolling blackouts because of this shit. Yeah, probably. The importance of being earnest, or at least looking like him. An attorney wins a Hemingway contest. Okay, that sounds like human interest story, so we can skip that. Uh, let's go to the next story. Uh, the first trailer for Black Panther Wakanda Forever is here. Okay, sounds like another human interest story. I don't know, does it sound like that to you, or does it sound like something else? No, it's for that movie, like the Marvel movie. What's that mean? So is that a human interest story, or is that a story about... Uh... It's more pop culture. Okay, so that's still kind of human interest, right? Mm, yeah. Okay, so let's go to the next article. Rescue groups begin to work, begin work to rehome 4,000 beagles bred for research. Led what? Bred. Okay, so what are they trying to do to these, these dogs? Rehome them. What does that mean? <laughs> Find them a new home. Okay, um, huh. I know, I'm, I'm, part of me is going, okay, this sounds kind of like human interest, and part of me is going, okay, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, because I'm, like, wondering if there's any real story, because, like, the real story is trying to stop uh, science from doing uh, testing on animals, 
but I don't know if they're going to cover that that much in this story. So I got to know, like, where's your head at? Do you think they're going to cover that more, or is it more, is it more like a human interest story? Human interest. Okay, so let's go to the next article. You can find the tech. Well, we already read that. I went. I went seaweed foraging for the first time, and hit the mother. She found her biological family and started a journey to embrace her Ojibwe history. I'll save you some thought. Human interest. Yeah, human interest. Okay, let's go to the next article. Dear Life Kit, I'm ready to move in together. My boyfriend is... Okay, sounds like another human interest story. Japan puts alerts to the highest level for the Sakurajima volcano after it erupted. Okay, how much damage has been done from from this? No immediate reports of damage or injuries in nearby towns. Okay, so hasn't been that huge yet. No. Okay, so let's go to the next article. Coleman Domingo on his Emmy nod, overcoming grief and the power of character actors. Okay, another human interest story. Russia strikes Ukraine's Black Sea port of Odessa just hours after a grain deal is signed. We already recovered that. Okay, so... Uh, I guess uh, let's go to the next article then. Yeah, the Mega Millions prize hits 70 million. The nation's okay. fourth. Who cares? Next article. <laughs> That's the end of NPR. Okay, NPR was really bad today. This must be a really slow news day. I mean, if we finish NPR in less than a segment, that means it's a really slow news day. Maybe. Oh, the segment's about to end. Okay, uh, so let's go through... I think we only have, like, three good NPR stories. I don't know, like... Let's go through uh, what we should name this one after. (laughs) I don't think we had much good stories today. (laughs) 17 died after a boat likely carrying Haitian migrants capsized. Welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. And I'm Kyle Chaos. So I guess we're going in to uh, see what the Yahoos are talking about. So, uh, yeah, let's. Uh, what's the first article in Yahoo? Massive Greenland ice melt, eighteen billion tons in three days. You yeah, know that's pretty important. Let's definitely go into that.
Greenland hit with unusually extensive melting of ice sheet, boosting sea level, scientists say. See, I, I thought NPR would have covered this. I'm surprised they didn't. That, like, really blows my mind. You'd think they would cover this one. But okay, yeah, let, let's, de- let's definitely go into this. It's, so, yeah, what's in the article? It's getting hotter in Greenland. And last week, temperatures rose enough to cause 18 billion tons of the country's ice sheet to melt over three days. Okay. Scientists have warned about the fate of Greenland's ice sheet and say what happened between July 15th and 17th is the latest massive melting event, contributing to an increase in the global sea level. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, uh, what else in the article? The amount of water from the melt, about 6 billion tons a day, or 18 billion tons over the weekend, is enough to cover West Virginia in a foot of water. Mm-hmm. Four inches per, per day, roughly. Mm-hmm. So they're like, how much has the water risen in the ocean? Is my question. Um, uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see if they talk about it in the article. Uh, What else in the article? Much of the melting came from northern Greenland because warm air drifted over the Canadian Arctic. Archipelago, Scambo said. Okay. There is also a high-pressure dome over Greenland. Together, they created an unusually extensive melt event. Okay. Temperatures vary for over Greenland, but the coldest temperatures are in the areas of high elevation toward the center of the ice sheet, said William Lipscomb. Okay. Once temperatures are above freezing or 32 degrees Fahrenheit, the melting begins. Okay. Temperatures last weekend were around 60 degrees. Okay. Or 10 degrees warmer than normal from this time of year. Okay. So this is probably the coldest part of uh, that kind of Arctic area. In recent years, we've seen a lot of heat waves in Greenland. This recent warming of it being one example. Lipscomb told USA Today, any temperature above freezing can cause some surface melting. Okay. And that's the end of the article. Okay, so the problem is they didn't explain how much the sea level has rised, but uh, it's definitely proof that global warming is happening. It's just not explaining how bad the conditions are going to be because of this. But, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, definitely global warming is real. 
I think that it probably isn't as big a deal as maybe it might be like unusual for there, but if if like uh water levels around the world aren't rising like a shit ton, it doesn't really matter. Okay, I mean, I think it does in this area because if, and again, it all depends on how much the sea level rises. If the sea level rises in the Arctic, it could have a lot of effect on weather all over the rest of the world. I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking or what I've heard when I've heard the stories about this uh, over the past few years. I'm looking something up. You know, it could cause a bunch of floods and other scary weather uh, situations to happen. You know, other scary natural disasters to happen. See, this is where it doesn't really matter. Because I looked it up and global mean sea level has risen 8 to 9 inches since 1880. Okay. But then it's like, how many inches has it risen in the past 20, 30 years? Two inches in the last 20 years. Okay, so I think that's where we might have the weather problems and just it, the uh, sea level rising two inches in, uh, what, how many year period was it? 20 years. Okay, so it, the, the sea level rising two inches in a 20 year period might have some pretty drastic uh, effect on uh weather all over the world, I think. At least that was my understanding of the way the scientists were explaining it uh, at least like three years ago when I was uh, hearing hearing articles about this. And they're going to have to impress me a lot more. Okay. Um, I, I mean, it's impressing me, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, but that's just because I've, I've read or I've heard a bunch of articles about this over the past few years that kind of explained it. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what we'll see what goes on and uh, how bad it gets. But it could get pretty scary. Let's hope it doesn't. But it seems like it's going to get pretty scary uh, in the future if if this keeps going on, or as much as this keeps going on. Representative Green pitches Christian nationalism to GOP. Okay. 
what the hell is Christian nationalism? <laughs> so let, let's go into what this is, because I don't even know what that means. That's because I'm a stupid American. <laughs> Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene speaks at the Turning Point USA Student Action Summit. Okay. Held in Tampa, Florida on Saturday. Okay. The Republican Party's primary focus this year should be on making the political party one of Christian nationalism. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said... Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> we need to be the party of nationalism, and I'm a Christian, and I say it proudly. We should be Christian nationalists. Okay, I mean, I don't get how being an American and being, I mean, I guess, okay, it's like, I don't know, I mean, I guess if all the Christians together that are so much about uh, uh, the party advancing the, the country being about making things better for people in this country, I guess. Uh, but I, I kind of don't get what is being a Christian and being a, a, a nationalist or whatever. Like, what is, how do those two subjects even correlate? Like, that, that's what I don't get. Like, what does being a Christian and being a nationalist have anything to do with each other? I don't I mean, know. Because there's probably nationalists that have all these different type of religious beliefs. There's probably atheists that are nationalists. There's probably people, you know, of other religions that are, are that way. Like, what the hell? What do those two, like, things have any, like, correlation about? I don't know. Okay, so let, let's see what else is in the article, because so far this is confusing the shit out of me. Green, who is known for her vocal religious beliefs and for imposing them on others, said the Republican Party should conform to Christianity to make it easier to identify with and sway Christian voters. Okay, well, I thought the Republican Party already didn't conform to Christianity. That's why they're implementing the tyranny of Jesus right now in the in the ending of uh, Roe versus Wade. So, like, what the, what do they expect the party to do to be more Christian than they already are? Like, I, I don't get like how much of a tyranny of Jesus does Marjorie Taylor Greene want to implement in this country? I don't get it. Okay, so, so what else is in our, the article? Because I don't know how crazy she wants to go with this shit. I mean, since the whole party has gone crazy with this shit already, so it's like... Uh, yeah, what, what else is in the article? When Republicans learn to represent most of the people that vote for them, then we will be the party that continues to grow without having to chase down certain identities or chase down certain segments of people. Okay, but I, I mean, I think the party's already done that. So, like, what does she, what does Marjorie Taylor Greene expect their party to do to even be more 
pushing that idea than they already are because as far as I can tell they're pushing that idea in a pretty heavy way and trying to implement their trying to, to in their words redeem the country to their moral values through and, and in my words through guns and fines and handcuffs and jails and all that kind of shit so like what does she expect the party to do that's even more heavy than what they've already done <laughs> I mean, they're already saying they want the country to, to have such big government that it's in everybody's bedroom. So, like, what the hell? We just need to represent Americans and most Americans, no matter how they vote, really care about the same things. And I want to see Republicans actually do their job. Okay, again, what does that mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene? You're you're sounding very confusing. And so far, I still don't understand what the hell you're saying. Greene has made similar comments before, saying of a Christian nationalism on of Christian nationalism on a podcast last week. I think that's an identity that we need to embrace because those are the policies that serve every single American no matter how they vote. No, cuz that would that would only be the policies that serve Americans that are Christians. I think Americans that have other beliefs other than Christianity won't be served by those policies. Anyway, but what else is in the article? Uh, Though most Republican voters identify as Christian today, not all Republicans are, and the number who identify who do identify with this religion have been decreasing over the last few decades, particularly among younger voters. Okay, so as much as the Republicans are trying to be more of a religious party, the people that are younger that are becoming Republicans aren't as religious as the older Republicans. So this. Uh, trying to be a religious party is not helping the Republicans with when it comes to the new Republicans that are joining the party. Like the younger Republicans are not feeling, are probably not feeling like their opinions matter as much to the party that they're a part of as the older uh, Republicans that are, are more religious feel. Okay, so what what else in the article? The Freedom From Religion Foundation, a nonprofit that advocates for the constitutional separation between church and state, fired back at Green last month for similar remarks she made saying she is conflating the term nationalism with patriotism. 
I don't know. In a way, it might have something to do with patriotism, though, because if you're a patriot for your country, I mean, because this is kind of what the the more libertarian patriot movement that happened in the early 90s was about, at least as far as my understanding, was that shouldn't our country be caring more about what happens to our country rather than fighting wars uh, over trying to implement policies through a bunch of other countries all around the world. I mean, I think that's what it's about. And so I, I, I can understand why why she wants people to, to see things through a, a nationalist way of looking at it. Uh, so like that part of what she says makes sense. But again, what does that have to do with, I mean, I, okay. Like what does that have to do with Christianity? And then, okay. The, the main thing is, is that the uh, freedom from religion people are complaining about this idea, which I'm with the freedom from religion people, but I still understand why people see patriotism and nationalism as the same thing, because it's like, if you are, you know, feel a sense of patriotism for your country, wouldn't you want your country to be more about caring about what's happening in your country rather than fighting wars uh, in a bunch of other countries, like what we're doing in in Ukraine, uh, you know, with, with the war between Ukraine and Russia, or what we did you know, fighting Iraq and Afghanistan, or we, I understand kind of why we fought a war in Afghanistan, but why did we have to fight a war in Iraq? That wasn't, uh, that isn't, you know, caring about what happens to our country. That's uh, being, uh, and, and I think caring what happens in our country, not wanting to fight wars for a bunch of other countries around the world is is a part of being patriotic. I don't see why the freedom of religion people wouldn't see that as part of being patriotic. But okay, uh, what else in the article? Loving your country is not nationalism, the foundation's co-president said in a letter okay. to her. It might It might not be, but if you love your country, wouldn't you want your country not to fight a bunch of wars um, in other countries that have nothing to do with your country's interest, that just have to do with a bunch of rich people getting rich, and uh, that's that's about... uh, our country just trying to be the cops of the world like we've done in so many, like through most of our history, like pretty much after World War II, every country or every war we fought was an interventionist war about some country that really didn't have anything to do with America's interest at all. So I can still see why people would see patriotism and nationalism as the same thing, even though, okay, I kind of get what the freedom from religion people are saying, it's not the same as saying you love your country, but if you love your country, wouldn't you want your country 
to not be fighting a bunch of interventionist wars over some other countries that have nothing to do with what your country's interests are. So anyway, uh, what else is in the article? Nationalism is what led Europe into centuries of endless wars over imagined borders and notions of national superiority. Okay, now that's true, but the way nationalism has been used really uh, since around the time that people were trying to get us out of World War II uh, is to do exactly the opposite of what these people are talking about that we did when we were being colonialists and fighting over what is the definite border of our country and, and, and whatever the other countries like everything that we fought for when it came to what what is the border of, of our country everything Europe fought for when when European countries were saying what is the actual border of our country was really more about colonialism and not so much about nationalism. And, uh, what? Okay. So thank you. But anyway, so, uh, so I'm just like, uh, not sure what this has to do with, uh, fighting, uh, I don't know, fighting for, fighting to stop, uh, and I, I don't think this has anything to do with what people have been saying nationalism, nationalism is since around the time we were trying to get our, our country out of World War II. Anyway, so uh, what's the next, uh, what, what else in the article? Like the unification of state and church, this is an embarrassing misstep in European history that Americans should be proud we have learned from. Nationalism is inherently divisive and dangerous. Okay. I mean, I, the way that I've heard it used in general, though, hasn't, you know, from my understanding of it, hasn't been so divisive uh, and what was the other word they used? Dangerous. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that dangerous the way it's being used right now. If it's just talking about our country trying to make things better for our country and not being involved with uh, uh, trying to be the cops of the world and fighting for a bunch of other countries interest that has nothing to do with our country's interest. Okay, so uh, what else is in the article? Mm-hmm. Green's advocacy for a religious-themed party comes amid nationwide discussions on the separation of church and state due to a recent spate of rulings by the conservative majority U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, but 
but that's what I mean. It's like the country is already, or the Republicans have already shown that they want to be a religious party. That every war we've fought has been a war of the Christians and the Jews against either, you know, like when we fought the war in Afghanistan and Iraq, it was the Christians and the Jews fighting a war against Muslims. And when we fought the wars against communism, it was the Christians and the Jews fighting against atheism. And uh, so, like, the Republicans have already shown themselves that they want to be just a religious party. So how much more is Marjorie Taylor Greene trying to turn the Republicans into just a religious party? Like, how much more religious do the Republicans have to get before it's okay enough for Marjorie Taylor Greene? Uh, I don't really think that the separation of church and state really matters in regards to the Supreme Court shit. No, but I mean, it's all about the separation of church and and state. The Supreme Court now has decided that they want to make sure that the country doesn't have a separation between the church and the state, that they want the laws of the Bible to be the laws of the land, and they want to use the government's tools of handcuffs and fines and jails and, uh, and, uh, and, and they want to use handcuffs and fines and jails uh, to force their religion down everybody else's throat. I mean, this is the main thing. This is why I don't talk to my parents right now because of this kind of shit. Uh, my basic logic is that the court opinions don't actually list it as being a Christian policy. No, they don't have to list it as being a Christian policy. They don't have to say it's a Christian policy. It is a Christian policy. I mean, if you read the law, it's trying to make the, the rules of the Bible the law of the country. From your point of view. Yeah, but I mean... This is the way I see the world. And yes, it is from my point of view, but I think that's really what the Republicans are doing. And it's what the Republicans have been doing ever since I got aware of like paying attention to the news when I was 15. And really before that, since 1978, especially, the Republicans have been doing this. The the Republicans, they pretty much hijacked religious TV. Like if you paid attention to religious TV, say, like when my parents first started getting religious around uh, 1976, okay, so 75, 76, 77, religious TV was more religious TV. Like they were talking more about being kind, you know, being nice to poor people and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, 1978 comes around, really the fall of 1977 comes around, and the Republicans start turning religious TV into if you love Jesus, you'll vote Republican. And like I've I've seen the Republicans trying to become more of a religious party, like
like since the time I was 10 years old and the same thing of uh, really the end part of being nine years old and I've seen uh, the the uh, religious media try to say well if you really love Jesus then you'll vote with the Republicans in, in the same time period And like that, that's what's been going on with the Republicans. Because like the message of religious TV totally changed around the fall of 1977. And it's been this, this same kind of message for the most part on all religious TV, except for, I'd say, a black religious radio. And since uh, black religious radio doesn't have that many outlets. Like I said, you're never going to hear somebody saying the Holy Spirit said that that uh, we've spent too much time fighting the war in Iraq. You're never going to hear that on most of the religious media because it's controlled by the Republican Party. The Iraq War is over. Yeah, I know, but you're not going to hear. Uh, religious media in general talk about not fighting a war that most of the Republicans support on religious media. It's just like one thing you can't say, like you can't have a a religious preacher that doesn't, like either you have to not have a political view or you have to have a political view that goes with the Republicans in order to get on religious media. If your political view doesn't go along with the Republicans, and even if you say, oh, the Holy Spirit said this, you're not going to hear it on on, uh, on uh, religious media because it's controlled by the Republican Party. From a certain point of view. Yeah, I think it's pretty true. But, uh, I mean, try to, try to prove to me that, one, the religious media... The mainstream religious media isn't controlled by the Republican Party, and try to prove to me that that uh, that the Republican Party hasn't been trying to be a religious party, especially since around the fall of 1977. The separation of church and state has only grown larger and larger. Like they banned saying the. Lord's Prayer in school and stuff like that, so I don't really see where all this need for a separation of church and state is needs to grow even bigger. Okay, I don't see how you could see that with the latest laws that have been passed, especially by the Republicans. The Republicans have been doing everything to make there not be that much of a separation between church and state. just fundamentalism like a lot of people like aren't sitting up going along with the whole we need to kill our babies thing like you don't see like atheist groups sitting up saying oh we need to stop this you know shit in these states where they're implementing it okay but like even when a lot of christianity became anti-abortion 
that didn't bother me as much. Like, I understood why Christianity became anti-abortion, say, around 1975. What really bothered me is when Christianity and the Christian media became more of a wing of the Republican Party. And that, that's really been bothering me. I, mean, I understand, like, Christians seeing, well, okay, if I interpret the Bible that the the, we need to have a right to life, then that means we should be against abortion. I get that. But the party has become really just hijacked religious TV. And yeah, the party has become a more religious party since the late 70s. And it, it has embraced a fundamentalism that. I don't even think they care so much. Like, I don't even think they care so much about fighting abortion for the sake of stopping babies from being killed. I think they want to fight abortion because we're not going to let our daughters uh, it's more about having control over their daughters more than about trying to save the life of the fetus to me. And the way that the, the fundamentalism is, is, the message that the fundamentalism ha- is about is more about we're going to control our daughters than, than that we care about the life of the fetus. That's where you're making a leap of logic without evidence. Now, when you listen to the arguments, especially the arguments the Republicans were making for why we should stop abortion, especially in the 80s, it was all about controlling the daughters. It had, they barely talked anything about the fetus's life. It was all about, we're going to control our daughters. And I remember hearing it in interview after interview of Republican politicians. And it was all about, we're going to control our daughters. That was in the 80s. It's 2022. The argument really hasn't changed that much since the 80s. I haven't heard that brought up in anything. Okay. I've, I've heard it, like, on every damn Republican talk station, like, every damn year, over and over again, the same arguments over and over again. Ready to go to the next article? Um, yeah, but can I, can I call you back? Yeah. Okay, I'll talk. I'll call you back in about in about ten, fifteen minutes or so. All right. But. Okay. All right. into how religious does Marjorie Taylor Greene want the Republicans to be? Like, what more do they have to do to be as religious as, as, as Marjorie Taylor Greene wants, it, wants them to be? They didn't really do a good jo- job at explaining what she wants to see happen in the party to make it more religious than it already is. But okay. So yeah, let's go to the next uh, article. 
legal threat to Trump take shape in Atlanta area? Okay, so uh, let's go into this article. The criminal investigation into efforts by former President Donald Trump and his allies to overturn his election loss in Georgia has begun to entangle in one way or another in expanding on assemblage of characters. Okay. Fannie Willis, the Atlanta area district attorney, has been leading the investigation since early last year. But it is only this month, with a flurry of subpoenas and target letters, as well as court documents, that illuminate some of the closed proceedings of a special grand jury, that the inquiry's sprawling contours have emerged. Okay. For legal experts, that sprawl is a sign that Willis is doing what she has indicated all along building the framework for a broad case that could target multiple defendants with charges of conspiracy to commit election fraud. I can already tell this is going to fucking fail. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we'll see uh, uh, what else in the article. Racketeering-related charges for engaging in a coordinated scheme to undermine the election. Okay. All of these people are from very disparate, disparate places in life. Anthony Michael Kreese, a constitutional law professor at Georgia State University, said of the known witnesses and targets... The fact that they're all being brought together really suggests she's building this broader case for conspiracy. Okay. Let's see how much of a case they got. That, that's the only thing I'm, I'm not sure about. But I don't okay, think they have a case going? based on what they're even talking about. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like it so far, but I'm still trying to hear more of, of what they're talking about before I make a final decision. What happened in Georgia was not altogether singular. Hint, hint. Okay. The House committee investigating the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol has put on display how Trump and his allies sought to subvert the election results in several crucial states, including by creating slates of fake pro-Trump electors. Okay. Yet even as many Democrats lament that the Justice Department is moving too slowly in its inquiry, the local Georgia prosecutor has been pursuing a quickening case that could pose the most immediate legal peril for the former president and his associates. Okay. Whether Trump will ultimately be targeted for indictment remains unclear. Okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, the thing that I'm more worried about 
or the, the real thing I'm worried about is what kind of law that's going to take away our freedom is going to be the main recommendation from this this uh, investigating panel. I mean, that's the thing I'm the most worried about. I keep saying this every, like, almost oh, a lot of times when we cover it. What's going to be the next thing that's going to take away our freedom as much as the real ID took away our freedom that this committee is going to recommend that's going to wind up becoming a law depending on who's in the government? Okay, anyway, uh, so that's the main thing I'm worried about is that it's going to turn into a law that's going to wind up taking away more of our freedom, like the real ID that happened after the 9-11 commission, uh, when they made everybody go along with this real ID thing, which took away a lot of our freedom. So anyway, that's uh, what's going on. That's what I'm worried about with, with this uh, committee the most. I don't think this has anything to do with that. Okay, anyway, um, so what else is, is in the article? But the David before Goliath dynamic may in part reflect that Willis legal decision making. Oh shit, my phone just went dead. Okay, so there? Yeah, my phone I was reading on went dead. Okay, okay, so, uh, I don't know what you got to do to get to work again. I hooked it up to power. So, trying to turn it back on. You need to plug it into something? Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. Still, I don't know. I guess we got to let dead air. So, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. So we're still trying to still trying to get his uh, phone turned on. I guess, and I guess it's taking a while for it to get turned on. So I don't know. We're we're still just having a lot of dead air. It's back on. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So we got it in the right articles? Okay, more dead air. So breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Yeah, we're back on the article. Okay. Less encumbered than that of federal officials in Washington by the vast political and societal weight of prosecuting a former president, especially in a bitterly fissured country. Mm -hmm. 
but some key differences in Georgia law may also make the path to prosecution easier than in federal courts. Okay. And there was the signal event that drew attention to Trump's conduct in Georgia. His call to the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, whose office in Willis Fulton County, Fulton County, recorded the president imploring him to find the 11,780 votes needed to reverse his defeat. Okay. That's just kind of showing Trump being... Like, there's got to be a way for me to have won this election. <laughs> and being kind of like the... The... Everything's all about him type of thing, which, okay. Okay. More weirdness. Uh, what else in the article? Uh, Trump's staff did not comment, nor did his local counsel. Mm-hmm. When Willis opened the inquiry in February 2021, a Trump spokesperson described it as simply the Democrats' latest attempt to score political points by continuing their witch hunt against President Trump. Okay. Lawyers for 11 of the 16 Trump electors, Kimberly Burroughs, Deborah A. and Holly A. Pearson, accused Willis of misusing the grand jury to process, grand jury process to harass, embarrass, and attempt to intimidate the nominee electors not to investigate their conduct. Okay. Last year, Willis told the New York Times that racketeering charges could be in play. Whenever people hear the word racketeering, they think of the Godfather, she said, before explaining that charges under Georgia's version of the Federal Racketeering Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act could apply in any number of realms where corrupt enterprises are operating. If you have various overt acts of an illegal purpose, I think you can, you may get there, she said. Mm -hmm. Willis, 51, a first-term Democrat, has long made use of racketeering charges Mm -hmm. and has hired a leading expert in the state's racketeering laws. Okay. In 2014, as a deputy in the office, she prosecuted public school teachers who had taken part in a cheating scandal. Okay. And in May, she secured an indictment charging rapper Young Thug and 27 associates with conspiracy to commit racketeering, identifying them as a criminal street gang. Okay. Observers believe a similar fate awaits some of the myriad Trump loyalists in and out of Georgia who may have had a hand in trying to subvert legitimate election results. 
Look okay. at all these hypotheticals. Okay. She has already informed the head of the Georgia Republican Party that he is a target of the investigation, along with the party's treasurer and 14 other Georgians who were on the slate of bogus Trump electors, including the car dealer and the economics teacher. Okay. A number of people closer to Trump have also been drawn into the case. His personal lawyer, former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, has been ordered by a judge to testify on August 9th. Lawyers from Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican South Carolina, are fighting his subpoena to testify. As are lawyers for Representative Jody Heiss, Republican Georgia, a stalwart Trump ally who led efforts in the House in January 2021 to stop the certification of votes. Willis is also seeking to compel testimony from John Eastman, an architect of the legal strategy to keep Trump in power, as well as other lawyers. Kenneth Chesabro, Jackie Pick Decent, Jenna Ellis, and Cleta Mitchell who played critical roles in the effort. And that's the end of the article. Okay, well, we'll see uh, if this can go anywhere and where it goes. I'm uh, not sure how good of an argument they have or not on this one, so I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Uh, should we go to the next article? Yeah, it's just she's reaching just like everybody is, just like with the January 6th thing. They're just reaching, reaching, reaching. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I think they definitely can prove that these people might have tried to subvert the election. But I don't know if you can... I don't, I don't know how much how much you could prove that that led to what happened on January 6th and all that. I don't, like, so far, the only thing that they really have that could have led to that was the, the thing that the FBI agent said, and that's from an FBI agent who's uh, trying to get people framed. We're trying to set them up to commit a crime so that they can try him under the FBI. Another blow for embattled startup Carvana. Okay. Uh, let's go into this a uh, little bit. See what the angle of this is all about or what this, where this is going. Carvana's Illinois dealer license gets yanked again. Okay. Yeah, I think that sums that up. Okay, so damn. Wait, okay, what got yanked again? Their car dealer license. Oh, that sucks. Cause I mean, they, I mean, it's like it's like that's like forcing their business to close down. Pretty much. Damn, I don't know. That might be uh, more about uh, uh, 
a bunch of biz, big businesses trying to close a small business? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you'd call that, what, what you'd file that under. No, like uh, Carvana is a massive juggernaut when it comes to selling cars. Okay, but that's what I mean. This huge thing that was there to sell cars is all of a sudden gone. So, like, I wonder what businesses had something to do with that. I wonder what other car dealerships or how many car dealerships got together to try and, and get this get Carvana's uh, license pulled. Issues with getting car buyers their titles and registrations in a timely manner continue to dog the company, as do problems selling cars with sketchy backgrounds. Okay, so the company itself, like, did a bunch of, made a bunch of bonehead moves, and that's why they're not in business then. Yeah, and selling cars for which Carvana doesn't hold title. Okay, that explains it. Uh, should we go to the next art, uh, article? Yeah. So not as sleazy as I was just uh, as I was thinking earlier in reading this. Two Americans killed fighting Russian troops identified. Okay. Uh, and I guess we'll go into it a little bit. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, let's go into it a little bit and then see if we want to keep going on with it. Why well, does it matter that some Americans died fighting fighting in Ukraine? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, you got a point. Yeah, I don't know. Should we go to the next article then? Yeah. Yeah, okay, let's go to the next article. Uh, last stand in battered city reshaped the war in Ukraine. Okay. Uh, what's, yeah, let's, let's go into this. And this is just an inside look inside the Azov stall bullshit. Okay, what's this about? Because I'm, I'm just confused what this is about. They're just trying to tell more details about the Azov stall last stand. Okay, but who wound up winning? Did the Ukrainians win this or did the Russians win this? That was the first major loss by the Ukrainians. Okay, so this is really more old news. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the next article. Let's see if we're still recording. We got three and a half minutes left. Okay, so we only got enough time for one article, uh, if that much. Average gas price drops 32 cents, likely to keep falling. 
Okay, how's this happening? Industry analyst Trilby Lundberg of the Lundberg survey said Sunday that the continued decline comes as crude oil costs also fall. Okay. It's okay. We might have some break from some of the high gas prices. Um, uh, should we go more into this or where's your head at? They got a video. Hopefully I can get it to play. Okay. Yeah, let, let's watch the video. Got to wait for this ad to pass. As of Sunday, regular grade gasoline is $4.54 per gallon. The decline comes as crude oil costs fall. Over the past two weeks, the country's average price for regular grade gasoline dropped 32 cents. This song without any without Morrissey singing. <laughs> While the average price at the pump is down fifty five cents over the past six weeks, it's still one dollar and thirty two cents higher than it was one year ago. Okay, so the prices are going down, but not as as low as they were a year ago. Um, should we keep going with this, or should we go to the next article, or where's your head on, on, on this? Still more video. Okay, yeah, okay let, let's, let's watch the rest of the video. Welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order Show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. I'm Kyle Chaos. So tune in next time when we hear more about how we're uh, being screwed with and how we're trying to stop ourselves from being screwed with. Um, I guess... uh, I'm trying to think. uh, Okay, what was the... I don't know. I think most of this was just us being screwed with today. I don't think there was... I don't know. Were there any stories about us stopping ourselves from being screwed with? I don't think so. Lowering gas prices. Okay, okay. Alright, get out of here, you hippies. This hippie is bailing the 
disconnect state where Dayton, Ohio and the streets of Sherman Oaks, California are happening at the same time. All right. Peace, Audi. Peace, Audi.